Hey everybody, welcome to Fear Not. My name is Bruce, sitting here with Ken Kruger. Hey, hey. Bruce Peterite. I keep forgetting my last name. Y'all it's all know good, my man. Last name, Br- right? Listen, we got, we got two monosyllabic perfect names for broadcasting. Bruce Peter Bruce Wright. Ken. Bruce you know, Ken. Why, why mess it up with more syllables? You well, know? you got the double K, like the Ken Kruger just sounds cool. To say it does sound pretty name. cool. I'm not going to lie about that. But, I mean, Bruce is a pretty dadgum cool name, too. You know, don't bring me down, Bruce. I don't know of any real pop songs with Ken in it. Oh, wait, there was Witcher Frequency Kenneth. That's closest we got. <laughs> right on. Well, welcome, welcome, everybody. If this is your first time living, listening, we're ready to dig into some topics that kind of come on to me when I'm going through my new step of faith as Christian um, and I, I come over some topics that I kind of want to dig into and I that's why I bring Ken into this so I can ask him some questions and kind of get the pastor's perspective on things All right. and today we're going to be talking about the fear of the Lord. Ooh, big right. one. Yeah, so I guess we'll just start, start with the hard question is what does it mean to fear the Lord? Hmm. I think fearing God is something that is very, very misunderstood because, you know, the Bible itself even kind of calls out fear as from the enemy and, you know, not something we should be living bound by. And I fully agree with that. I think there's a different category and there are different, you know, Greek and Hebrew words used for godly fear than there are for, you know, carnal fear. And, uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. You're built to fear something, um, just like you're built to worship something. It's kind of intertwined, you know, like, uh, I mean, for instance, when, when I go to the beach, you know, and I look out at this vast expanse of, you know, miles upon miles upon miles of ocean, and I look out at the big body of water, you know, there's something inside of me that is in awe, but then something inside of me that's also just this short of real fear because this thing is massive you know or okay better example uh, I go on a motorcycle ride with my uncles and my dad most every summer and we've hit the Grand Canyon a few times you know I'm not at all afraid of heights I'm that guy I, I guess the older I'm getting I'm getting more and more afraid of heights That's, <laughs> That's, me. That's me. it's either you know wisdom kicking in or I'm just getting you know more and more pansy in my old age you know <laughs> but like standing on the edge of this massive hole in the ground there's something in your stomach that goes, ooh, right? Yeah. So that's that's a that's like a healthy fear. And, and I, that's what I believe the Bible is pointing at when it says to fear God. And it even says, you know, fear him who can cast your soul away from him, your soul into damnation. You know, there is a, a healthy fear of understanding that God is altogether big. I mean, there aren't words to describe the awesomeness of God. And when you approach something awesome, there's something inside of you that innately and rightly responds with, oh, wow. You know, it's like why in the Bible, um, everybody that comes into contact with, especially in the Old Testament, with God himself, they either die or fall to the ground as dead, right? There's okay. there's just this thing inside of us that goes that, okay, God is a, a perfect father, but he's not your Santa Claus, and he's not your... Uh, you know, loving, pat, pat, kiss, kiss, daddy, right? I'm not trying to take away from the affection and the love of a father God because he adores you. But the reason that Jesus shed his blood to make a way to us is because God is so altogether unapproachable in glory and holiness that we needed the sacrifice of all sacrifices to atone for our brokenness to approach such a holy deity. 
And that's that's what it means to fear God, that there's a wow-ness there. I listened to a youth pastor years ago that he was he kind of worked really well for him. I'd heard him say this thing before, but he's this huge, big linebacker guy. I mean, the kind of guy that you see walking down a dark alley at night, and you're going to go to the other side of the street, right? But he ends up being this big, soft teddy bear. And uh, he was preaching one time, and you could tell, like, the Holy Spirit was just working on him. And he said, you know, guys, I've said so many times that, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to run up to God and jump on his lap and snuggle into him and run my fingers through his beard and all this stuff. And he goes, that, that was wrong of me to say. If I can even stand in his presence, yeah. I will be surprised. There's no such thing as running up to God and giving him a noogie. There's a, oh, my goodness, you're holy. And that's what the fear of the Lord is is referring to. Does that make sense? Yeah, it reminds me of that song where he sings about getting to heaven, and he goes, or to my knees will I yeah. fall, will I sing, yeah. hallelujah. Will I be able to speak at all? Yeah. yeah that's yeah, it, no, dude. That's no, that's, that's and that's what it's referring to. Well, is, we can only imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I've, I've been in the presence of God enough where I just feel in the best way possible, I feel small, right? I mean, yeah. But also, you know, like the Bible says, you know, if you want to find your life, you need to lose it. You know, it's like I find my identity in that that smallness that I know what I am and where I am in relation to this almighty God that, that you know, I mean, I, the Bible says that we're, we're like the dew on the grass that only lasts for a few hours, it's not even like here today, gone tomorrow. It's here today, gone today yeah. for us. And who is this God who is eternal and mighty and his words create universes, who is mindful of me? Like that's that's the beauty of it all. When I fear the Lord and I understand what I am in relation to this mighty God, then all the praise goes to him that who, like the Bible also says, who is man that you are mindful of me? You know, it's a healthy yeah. thing to understand your smallness your insignificance and God's significance and hugeness. And so therefore there's a there's a, a wondrous fear there. Okay. Um do you think that do you think that God fearing people just the fact that they fear the Lord helps them with their discernment process in life uh, or just the actions or things or way they treat people even if they necessarily how do I put it? Let's say it's not something that they would typically or society would say they, sh- they should do, but because they understand that um, the, this is the way God feels about the circumstances, they would rather fear what the Lord has for them acting against him than fear what society's got for them. Absolutely. In a certain topic. Absolutely, man. Well, I mean, let's take it. We'll give some scriptural examples here. Like when you are prompted by your fear of the Lord to speak truth, it's not necessarily something that's always going to line up with culture. You know, like when uh, Peter was brought before the religious leaders of the day and the Roman leaders of the day and, you know, thrown into prison and beaten for preaching Jesus, he stood in front of them and he said, you know, far be it from me to obey man before I obey God. You know, and I, it, I'm, I'm kind of transposing my own assumptions on that passage. Yeah. But I would assume that Peter, having just been imprisoned and beaten, there's a certain level of fear there for what man can do to him. And he wouldn't want to, you know, I mean, he's not thumbing his nose at these guys and saying, yeah, beat me again, dude, you know. But he's saying, I need to speak what God wants me to speak rather than what you want me to speak. Um, The equation that we have to plug into those experiences, though, is truth in love. And here's where, I mean, there's always people on 
every side of every spectrum when it comes to believers, that if we get too far to one side, we're going to be in error. Okay, when you talk about people who fear the Lord, my mind goes to these kind of pharisaical, you know, uh, bashing people up with the word and leaving the love out of truth, you know, and they're kind of, you know, penduluming in response to the people on the other side of the pendulum that are, or spectrum rather, that are uh, only focused on, you know, the Santa Claus in the sky, God is love, he wants me to be happy, he wants me to be, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's not God either, it's somewhere in the middle. Right, God wants you to be happy, but God also understands he created mankind, and you're going to be the most fulfilled when you align yourself with him. So people who, in a healthy way, embrace what the Bible means by fearing the Lord, of course it's going to you know, influence their words and their actions and what they do in life. Of course it is, and it should. You know, um, there was somebody that was you know, conversing with C.S. Lewis. I forget which book this is in, but he's talking about getting into an argument with people who you know, don't believe the way that, that we believe. And, and he, this, this person told C.S. Lewis, if Christians really believed what Christians believe about the eternal, then they're the most cruel people in the world to not share Jesus on a minutely basis. If they believe that there's a God out there who loves us the way that Christians say God loves us, why aren't they saying it more often? You know, and I've always taken that to heart because I'm I'm not great at evangelism either. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, God, if I believe this, then I should share with everybody. Share with everybody. everybody you know, Bruce, you're everybody. you're great at that. Yeah. You're fin- you're actually an example to me in that. You know that you've got this fire inside of you. You got to get out. And to a degree, it is the fear of God that prompts you to do that. Yeah, it's uh, to me uh, the way I was interpreting it when I was kind of kind of going through my studies on this topic. Everything came, everything kept feeding back to me like, because I, I don't necessarily fear the Lord in a way like the way he's going to punish me because he's such a redeeming Lord yeah, yeah. that he's going to redeem what I do wrong. It's fear of not having him when I do wrong. Mm. Fear mm. of not knowing him. Yeah. that That's what scares me. Yeah. I know what life was like when I didn't have the Lord and mm. that I fear. Yeah. So yeah. I would never want to go back to that direction. Yeah. Um, but going into like what you were talking about, how sharing it with kind of everybody, um, I feel I do feel like everybody should have the chance to understand Jesus as the Redeemer because so many people feel like they've done so much that makes them feel worthless or yeah. or not enough yeah. or, or not worthy or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I've been there. I've broken mine down. I, I say a lot I've broken myself to the point where there's not much this world could do to me that I haven't done myself. <laughs> right. So I, it, with that being said, I nowadays with the, the way God views me and sees me and is using me these days, I couldn't look at myself in a more opposite manner. Like the way I value myself now, like I value what I'm putting in my body. I don't drink Red Bulls anymore. I used to <laughs> suck down two or three of those a day. Like I barely even tasted them. They went down so fast. Um, but nowadays it's, it's really respecting my own body because of the respect I have being close to the Lord. Mm. Right. So mm. the fear of losing that relationship with the Lord mm. is what scares me just because I know what this world has for me. If I don't have him walking side by side with me. Yeah. So, yeah. you know what I think you're describing there too, is the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge, you know, and what you're doing is you're plugging into an understanding of who God is and who he made you to be into even the natural order of things, you know, that when you 
fear God, you know, in a way that, that basically what, what it's saying is I exalt him as above me. You know, you're not creating a God in your own preference to serve. You are saying God created my body to work in a certain way. So I want to treat it the way that he wants me to treat it, and therefore I'll be the healthiest that I can be. If you plug that into your relationships, like I believe that God created the institution of marriage. So that means that he's got requirements of me as a husband in relating to my wife, that if I implement those things because I fear him, I implement that wisdom that comes with fearing God, then my marriage is going to be the most blessed and most healthy, uh, the most life-giving. You know, and it's those sorts of things that if if you fear God, if you recognize that God is, oh, let's just call it this way, smarter than you are, then you're going to do things his way and then therefore be blessed because of it. You know, and there are people that do that regardless. You know, like there's this thing that my Bible college professors would call Proverbs level wisdom, you know, that it's like it's consequential wisdom. It's if you do this, you get this. And people who live life in a Proverbs wisdom sort of way, they usually have a much better life because they're just disciplined, you know? And that's what the word is pointing at when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So everything you're telling me and that I'm hearing and through studies, it seems as which that the fear of the Lord brings nothing but fruit, brings nothing but good. Absolutely. But the fear, you look at the fear of what this world has to offer and it brings you what? Mm-hmm. Missed, opp- missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. It brings you uh, lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. It brings you anxieties. It brings you fear, like mm-hmm. more fears. Um, so uh, that, that's uh, it's amazing to me how opposite what fearing the Lord will do yeah. versus fearing the thing of this world. Yeah. So it's just interpreting fear in a totally different manner. Well, Bruce, the old old time preachers would say that for everything that God has, the enemy has a counterfeit. Uh, you know, and so that's what, you know, carnal fear is, is a counterfeit of the fear of the Lord. That sorry. that fearing in a way that binds you, like, okay, fearing God frees you. It gives you wisdom. It gives you, um, I don't know, it gives you a playbook for life. It gives you an understanding of who you are, that you're not the ultimate in your life. You don't sit on the throne of your heart. That seat belongs to one entity and one entity alone, and that's God. You know, but fearing man does the exact opposite, like you just said, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You know, yeah. anytime the enemy gives you something as a counterfeit to what God gives you, it ends up having the exact opposite effect. Okay, like for instance, okay, I'm going to use some terminology here that may or may not be offensive or at least over the line to some viewers, but sexuality. Okay, God has a plan for sex. When done his way, it brings freedom and joy and fulfillment. And then the enemy has this counterfeit that does nothing but bring you insecurity, confusion, fear. You know, pleasure for a season, sure, but you follow that to its end and it's binding instead of loosing. You know, so what you're describing is fear implemented in the enemy's way ends up having the exact opposite results of fearing the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, with that, we got another question for you. Why Why would we not want to fear God? Well, hmm. Okay. I think, well, th- that's a twofold answer because I think a lot of times we misinterpret what the word, I already said this, but what the word means by fearing God. Because, I mean, fear is, by connotation, negative. 
you know, so um, we misunderstand that and we think, no, I won't be afraid of anything, you know, so no, I'm not going to fear God. But the other deeper answer to that question is we honestly don't want anything in our lives that we have to obey. And even when we want God in our lives, we don't like the reverent fear of him because we can't control it, which means that I have a responsibility to this God to do what he tells me to do. Um, kind of reminds me of like the children of Israel in, in the Old Testament. They're brought out of Egypt. And uh, you know the story when, when God puts them into camp and he takes Moses up on Mount Sinai and he's given them the Ten Commandments. And, and what do they do down in the valley? They decide that they're sick of God's rules. They decide that they're angry with the leader that God has put over them. And so they come to his brother Aaron, who's serving as the high priest of God over this community, and say, take our gold and form for us a golden calf that we can worship. Okay. The interesting, all of, everybody knows this story, even if you're not a church person, everybody knows the story. But the interesting thing about this that we're told in the Bible is as they worship this creation that they made, this thing that they can control, they call it Yahweh. They call this thing that they made God because they still want God in their lives. They just want a God that they can do something with. Or put in a box. Put in a box. Yeah. Like they, they say, behold Yahweh who brought us out of Egypt. And they're looking at a stinking graven image that their hands formed, that they donated their bracelets and earrings to, to make. But what they're doing is saying, I want God in my life. I just don't want his rules. I don't want something that I would have to revere, honor, and respect and obey. I want a God that I can control. That's alluring to every one of us. You already said it, but if we if we believe that God's chief aim is to make us happy, boy, that's a really easy God to, to make malleable. I've heard people straight up say, I, I think God wants me to do this. And I'm like, well, okay, but the Bible is 100% against that action or that choice. Yeah, but I know God. God wants me to be happy more than he wants me to follow <laughs> his rules. I'm like, you're serving a golden calf that you're calling, you're calling Yahweh. Yeah. So we don't want to fear because we don't want to obey. Yeah. You know, and it's it's ultimately just a ridiculous conundrum because doing things against God will lead to your dissatisfaction. Yeah. It will lead to your ultimate demise. It will lead to your discontent. It will lead to your anxiety, your depression, all those things. But there's something inside of us that says, nah, I think I know better than God. You know, like I say this from the pulpit a hundred times. It's like, you know, I'm 43 years old. Okay, I know I'm starting to get up there. I'm officially middle-aged now. I hope I'm, you know, less than halfway through, but I'm not I'm not 20 anymore. But for a 43-year-old man to look at a God who is eternal and say, I think I got this figured out more than you. You take a back seat here. It's asinine, and it's yeah. going to lead to me living a very unhealthy, ultimately very unhappy life. You know, and that stems from, no, nah, I don't want a God I can fear. I want a God that I can say, nah, this golden calf is Yahweh. Yeah. You see that in churches and in religion all around the world. It's like, I want God to be more like this. So I'm going to make something up and call it God. That's why we don't want to fear God. So that leads me to another question I have that I'm curious about. This is a two-part question, um, but based along the same lines. is what, what are some characteristics you see in a person that's a God-fearing person? And what are some characteristics you see in a person 
that you would doubt fears God and needs to know him just a little bit more. Ooh. Okay, the thing that immediately springs to mind is God-fearing, humble, not God-fearing, arrogant. Hmm. Straight up. And you could point that at, I'm not saying that's 100 across the board, an arrogant person is somebody who definitely doesn't fear God, but it will tell you it's somebody that struggles with the fear of God. And there are a lot of very arrogant religious people out there. Hmm. You know, um, like the thing about the way we relate to one another. You know, if I fear God, bro, I'm going to treat you in a way that that recognizes that you're somebody that God loves, no matter what you do to me. Yeah. You know, um, the Bible talks about, you know, uh, returning hatred with love. You know, it's, it's uh, the Bible says pouring hot coals on your enemy's head when you respond in grace to their hatred of you. You know, what that is is saying, I'm going to trust God with you, and that God will bring you what you need to approach him, even if that means, you know, difficulties that make you hit your knees and turn to him or redemption and grace that's going to make you hit your knees and turn to him. You know, that's fearing God is to treat you better. If I'm arrogant and I say, nah, I I know better what Bruce, if I see something in Bruce I don't like, I'm going to take him down a peg or two because I've, I've got what he needs, right? I mean, I need him to acknowledge my (laughs) brilliance instead of just being like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Instead of being like, no, I trust God with him. You know, it's, that's, that's my immediate shoot from the hip response is people who fear the Lord man, they're ultimately very, very humble and they're loving and they trust God with all things because they recognize that God knows better than we do, than I do. You know, if I don't fear God, I can have the tendency to put myself into his role and be like, eh, I know what Bruce needs to fix himself. I, I know what, you know, so that's, there's, there's a, a host of different answers to that question. But I would say that's that's kind of the most simple for me. It's the one that pops yeah. in my head first, is if you fear God, you're a humble person. If you don't fear God, you can be an arrogant jerk. I like that. I like that. Well, let's say, let's put that on the other spectrum because I feel like those are bad, both actions or reactions to the situations we have in life to be to be arrogant versus on something mm-hmm. um, or the action side of things. So yeah. on the reaction side of things, like you've been given something right like or someone's harming you or doing something to you and it's the way you react the way you react to finding whether you're not i don't know if this goes in line with being humble or arrogant Mm -hmm. but getting like a hurt or Mm. not hurt when someone's saying something Mm. that is definitely not nice or someone's something's done to you that would normally hurt you but if you fear the lord does it hurt you less i think it does i ultimately do i mean there's no getting around you know, the hurt that comes with being mistreated. As a matter of fact, God uses that to grow you. He's going to allow you to suffer that. You know, but if you fear the Lord, you trust him with the situation. Uh, one of the things that I find disturbing, and I'm just going to be transparent here, is I'm a big vengeance guy. Like, I think justice is something that I hold, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even when it comes down to like, and this is a silly example, but the way that I, I act on the road. You know, somebody cuts me <laughs> off. I'm like, how dare you? I'm, I'm going to drive three inches from your bumper because justice demands it, right? I mean, <laughs> silliness like that, right? But you take that and extrapolate it, that's absolutely, you know, something that, that we would do is is if we don't fear the Lord and trust him with ultimate consequence, then we take vengeance in our own hands. And there's nothing about the Bible that points to a believer and says, you are in charge of vengeance. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. 
you lay it down. If you fear God, you trust him. You know, he does tell us to defend uh, other people, right? If you see injustice, you know, on, on somebody who's weak or, you know, to use the Bible terminology, the orphan, the widow, people that need somebody to take care of them. We step in, and we take care of them. But when it comes to like being mistreated, God says, no, no, that's my territory, you know? And so that's in reaction to answer your question. If you react to say, I'm going to set this right. How dare you treat me this way? A lot of times you've got issues with the fear of the Lord. So from that, to simplify that, trust is another yeah. characteristic of someone who They're fears perfect. the Lord. Perfectly said. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right on. Um, just leaving it in God's hands. Yeah. Letting him fight those battles for you. I would say if you fear God, man, I'll take it even a step further. You have to radically trust. Radically trust God. Yeah. You know, because as you know, we've been going through this offense series at the church. And it's, you know, a lot, a lot of the stories I'm pulling from are people that have been radically mistreated. But in turn, radically trust that God is going to take care of them. That, no, you've heard me say this a lot too, man, that nobody can take you out of God's plan for your life but you. And I think it's a fear of the God, a fear of the Lord that helps you understand that he is to be trusted radically. Even when it looks like somebody's trying to tear you down and, and knock you out of God's plan for your life, fearing God makes you realize they can't. They literally can't. Only you forfeiting walking in God's path can lay down your destiny, you know, um, and trust. I, I, I'm just saying we take it a step further and say it's trust, but it's like radical trust. Trust when nothing else points at the fact that you should trust this God. You trust this God. Okay. So I like I like ending on the topic of trust. So I want to kind of give our listeners um, some encouragement to just put a little bit more trust in the Lord in their lives mm-hmm. right now. So is there anything that you, any suggestions you have, or if you a new Christian come to you, it's just like, I have a hard time trusting the Lord right now and just giving it into him in this situation. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice you would give them? I've got one really great scriptural practical point. Um, I'd say dive into the Psalms, you know, Psalms. Psalms. I've joked around about this. I call King David, who wrote the majority of the Psalms, not all of them, but the vast majority, the divine schizophrenic. (laughs) Because you can, you you read one chapter and he's just overjoyed and talking about the glory of God and the faithfulness of God. And then the next chapter, maybe even the same chapter, he's like, where are you? Will you forever forsake me? You know, what we're given is the, the journal, the diary of a man that God himself calls a man after my own heart. And it gives you permission to be human, to say, okay, this is hard for me. You know, I, I want to, matter of fact, he prays some really selfish prayers in there that are like straight up David, right? Like you, you get my enemies. But what you're seeing is a man who's giving his enemies over to God. Yeah. He's saying, he's praying some really, some horrible things like God, kill him get them these people they deserve to be annihilated all this stuff right but it's a it's a window into this guy's soul saying this is what i feel right now and in seeing those negative things you're going to see a lot of the beautiful things you're going to see a man write about how faithful he knows god is how god's love for him knows no bounds that he feels comfortable and safe. Like this man has fallen so in love with God that he writes in, in in Hebrew, he talks about, you know, meditating on the law of the Lord day and night. Like it's almost sensual, right? Like he, he talks about laying in bed and pondering the ways of God, you know, and he didn't have the Jesus, the gospel story to fall in love with like we do. He had Leviticus 
you know, he had the Torah. And he's like, this stuff is awesome. He, he understood God so much. He loved God so much. He saw God's character so much. And even that, that scripture, that he really saw God's love for him and really trusted God. He also failed at times, which is also beneficial for us to see because we will. But he kept coming back and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I just, here's all my carnality. Here's all that junk inside of me. I trust you. So just jump into the Psalms. You know, Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the book. If you have the temerity to do it, try putting that thing down in three days. You know, and just contemplate all the beautiful emotional pendulums all over that thing. You know, and just so, recognize you can put your trust in them. So if that one's three-day long read, the majority of Psalms are a single-day read? Oh, dude, some of them are like straight-up half paragraphs. <laughs> you know, so all yeah, right. they're, they're a whole lot more digestible than that. So at very least, a Psalm a day keeps yes. the fear away. Yeah, minus Psalm 119. Read, read, <laughs> read a Psalm a day. Some of them, man, you're going to spend three minutes on. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right on, guys. Y'all have a wonderful week. God bless you. Drinks all around A tear for every drop that hits the ground